0: Hey, Valley fans, you're listening to the March to the Arch podcast. Is your team
1: going to win? Make some noise!
0: This is the March to the Arch podcast. Your place for Missouri Valley Conference news, talk, and takes. Welcome to episode eight of the March to Arch podcast in this 2020-2021 Missouri Valley Conference season. On today's episode, we're going to cover the championship team. So, Arch Madness winner Bradley Braves and the preseason favorite Northern Iowa Panthers. We've got special guest Nick Petros of The Courier who covers Panther hoops as their beat writer. But before we get into that, how are we doing today, Baker?
1: Doing all right. It's uh it's another week of previews. Last that's one of the seasons. So uh, yeah, things keep rolling.
0: So I've been thinking about this, Baker. I, I think it's becoming more of a reality than a um, <laughs> cautiously optimistic. But thoughts on fans not attending Valley games
1: this year sucks. I mean, it's that first off, that's the first thing that comes to mind. I mean, it's takes off takes a really big part of college basketball away, but I think it's kind of it's, – it's looking that that's it. I mean, that's how it's going to be going.
0: And it's interesting because, like, some schools have already come out. Um, Illinois State, um, their AD said that it's unlikely, which I thought it was interesting um, that, you know, um, he's already said it, which is fine. I think everyone knows it's probably not going to happen, um, especially in our state. Um, but Duke, um, a, about a week ago, decided to not do fans. Um, they don't need the money. Uh, but it's a different case for Valley schools.
1: It really is. And it takes away from just the atmosphere on game day. Like, I mean, Valley Valley fans are passionate. They want to go to these games. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you look at the – whenever you whenever you get your season tickets, you look at those games that – hey, this game's in February. This game's the end of the season. I mean, that takes that aspect away from it. I mean, it's still going to be fun. We're still going to watch the games. We're still going to love watching Valley Hoops. ESPN Plus is going
0: to be oh, gangbusters this year. Yep. Take all my money.
1: It's, it, it's disappointing, but I think that this is kind of the world we're in. Yep. Um. I, do you expect Do you expect any like like I mean Do you think it's just totally off the table having fans at all for any regular season games this year? Um,
0: I don't think we're there yet. I think it's unlikely Ten. in twenty twenty we're gonna go to any games. Um, I wonder about
1: Arch, or March Madness and Arch Madness for that matter.
0: Um, I think we're there. I think we're good.
1: You think that there there, there will be fans for those?
0: I do I to do an too. extent. I do too. Um, so here's where my head's at, Baker. Um, I'm interested just the money behind it, the revenues behind it, because I would say there's a decent amount of schools out there that are like we can't make this work. We're just going to be running in the red, which we already are. Right. Um, it, will there be teams not in the Valley that just opt out as like the dollars and cents? They don't have the ESPN contracts. 100%. They don't.
1: I, I mean, I think that that will happen. And, and I don't know where that will be. I don't. I don't foresee that being in the Missouri Valley. Yeah. But across the country, oh, you bet. In, in Division One basketball, there will be teams where if it's not financially responsible to run a season, I mean, they're just not going to. Right. And it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think I think you're totally right about Arch Madness, March Madness. I think those will. Um. Obviously, the one thing that that we're we're not touching on. I mean, everything depends on the state you're in too. Yeah. I know a lot of. Um, and not to get political, but like it, it depends on whether or not your state is more open than the others. That's just, that's just a fact. That's a fact. It, it's a fact of what's going on now. So I think that will rest a lot on it. I think it'll be interesting to see what states March Madness picks or where they're going to have their venues. I think I think that's an interesting thing to think about.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know they've already picked those venues, but do they stick with them? Do those states start, um, you know, saying, hey, we're out. Uh, we can't do this. Um, it'll be interesting. But I, I just know that there's a lot of season tickets out there. Season ticket holders out there that would have already probably gotten their tickets uh, by now that are that are bummed, and we are, we're we're one of you guys.
1: We're bummed with, and you. we're
0: bummed with you, and um, just wanted to talk through that because this season's gonna lo- look a lot different in twenty twenty. Um, the non conference is gonna look different.
1: But you know what? I think we're we're gonna be here every week, and we're trying to make it as exciting as we can. Keep everything rolling, and you know what? It's gonna be fun to be. We'll. Watching the games, we'll still have ESPN Plus. I know all the games will still be on, so um, there is that aspect to it. I think I think this would have been way harder to swallow back in like the nineties, right? When yeah. when games were not on TV. Yep. So this it'll be just an interesting season that we'll just we'll remember forever.
0: Yep. And for those fans, just find a different way to support your team. Um, you know, if you have the monetary ability to, maybe maybe it's a different instead of spending money on the season tickets, maybe you're getting some new swag or maybe supporting the team in different ways. Just Think through that and um, continue to be safe, but it is what it is.
1: All right, we are happy to be joined here today by Nick Pateras of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier uh, to talk some Northern Iowa basketball and everything else going on in the Valley. Nick, how are we doing today?
2: Good, thanks for having me on, John. A uh, nice day, actually, here in Cedar Falls. We're hitting the uh, upper 60s, so it's a perfect day out.
1: You're lucky, you're lucky. We're here in Illinois, and it's insanely windy, so... It is the worst time to be outside, especially when you got two kids. But um, you just had media day uh, with Northern Iowa, and we're just gonna we're gonna jump into that here in a few minutes. But one thing I wanted to bring up to you because I know um, dealing with coaches and everything in the valley, one big news item that just came out was about Greg Marshall, and I was just curious what your thoughts are on what's going on there.
2: Uh, yeah, I think uh, the the allegations from from Shaq Morris and and, and some of the other. Uh, former players of of, uh, Greg Marshall are are certainly concerning and uh, it's it's really it's really tough to see coaches still with that style I I, I don't think that's something that necessarily should be some you know the standard for for coaching and it shouldn't be something that 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 coaches aspire to I mean if you can win without being a jerk I think that'd probably be a better approach than win by being a jerk and uh, I know you've got Fred Van Vliet, Ron Baker, you know, the final four appearance, uh, a, a lot that Wichita State has done, and, and they've been the, the class of the Valley for so many years. But, man, uh, when, when you look at that side of, of Coach Marshall and, and, and uh, some of those allegations, uh, you know, it's really tough to swallow. And then, then you to see that he, he gets to land on that, that $7 million uh, uh, severance there, too, after retiring. Uh, you, you just wonder what are the repercussions for, for going too far.
1: Yeah, no, and it it's it's it is interesting that you bring up about how, how how kids are today and how different styles of coaching are. Especially, like I have a buddy who uh, who coaches track out in Arizona, and he was telling me, you know, it, it, you can't treat kids the same way that you used to um, today compared to before. And I don't know if maybe it's a different mindset of kind of how he was how he had coached all this time, and that he hasn't quite evolved.
2: But yeah, yeah, it's you know. it's just one of those things where you have to be able to kind of adapt to the the times. You you look at the great coaches, they can, they can still handle uh, working with top talent. Coach K, I I think he's probably doing same same things the same way as when Mm -hmm. he first arrived at Duke and, and Roy Williams, you know, uh, you you look at the greats and, and they've been able to figure it out.
1: Yeah. No question about it. Well, I know Valley fans really don't want to talk about Wichita state anymore, because I know that that's, that's low on their list. So let's, let's get into Northern Iowa. Let's get into your bread and butter. I guess the first thing that I want to talk about Northern Iowa-wise, though, is I want to take us back to last year at the very end with that disappointing loss at Arch Madness. Um, I'd love to kind of get your thoughts on how everybody was doing. Like, once that game was over, what was the mindset? What was the kind of the thoughts around the team? I'm I'm imagining everybody's pretty down on themselves. Were they expecting that their name was not – before this tournament was canceled, were they expecting to just not get called on Selection Sunday, like, we're getting ready for the NIT?
2: I think uh, they had some hope that they'd still get into the NCAA tournament. Uh, ben Jacobson kind of laid out a, a pretty long argument uh, stating a, a case for, for them to be in. Uh, you know, looking at the whole body of work, it, it was just one of those deals where they literally played their worst game of the season in the final game. So that was the, the lasting memory that the selection committee had was, you know, them being that, that first one seed to lose in the quarterfinal round of the MVC tournament. Granted, Drake was probably better than a, a typical eight seed that, that they'd be playing, but uh, they, they played them a week before in Des Moines. Uh, That's probably one of their better games on the mm-hmm. road, shot lights out and, and beat them pretty convincingly. And then that next week, they, they just came out flat, played one of their worst games. And I, I think they knew it. It's just one of those days where, where things, they, they didn't have it. And, and Drake had a good game plan. They're knocking down shots, playing with a lot of confidence. And, uh, you, you know, that happens in college basketball.
1: It was one of those weird games that I remember watching it during the second half. It was always like Northern, I think was down by like eight or nine. And it was like, when is that Northern finally, when are they going to finally turn this around, hit some shots? And, and, and it just felt like it, even if they hit a bucket, Roman Penn would come down and hit a couple of threes and it would just keep ballooning. And then you're sitting there looking at the under four timeout. And it's a 20 point game. It's like, Oh my gosh, what just happened? And it was in your, yeah, it was their, it was their worst day. This was their worst day. And it just could not have come at the worst time.
2: Mm-hmm. And you're, you nailed it right on the head. Uh, you guys just kind of watching that game thinking, okay, okay, when's this run coming? You know, they're going to put it together. They had a little run early in the second half, like you mentioned, but then uh, Roman Penn uh, really took that game over and he, he was brilliant. I, I, I'm pretty high on Roman Penn going into this season. I think I was uh, one of the, the, the people that, that gave him, uh, you know, a preseason all, all conference nod there in, in my top five.
1: No, I think, you know I think you're totally right. I, and I definitely want to get your thoughts on the rest of the valley, outside Northern Iowa as well. And and Roman Penn is is an incredible player. What he talks about with your Northern Iowa here is AJ Green. Um, over the summer, he declared for the draft, and then uh, he didn't go to the draft. Obviously, um, I was wondering, do you have any insight on, on on that decision? Was it kind of just to test the waters, kind of see, um, see what evaluations were going to be like? Is that just kind of kind of the standard deal for? a player who's not necessarily ready to jump, but at least I want to kind of get an idea where I'm at.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's actually a kind of a procedural move now. Uh, these these players get basically two years where they can declare and still come back. So he can do the same thing again, this, this upcoming off season and, and talk with N, NBA scouts and evaluators, uh, front office GMs and some of those guys just to get a, f- a feel from them on, on what things he needs to work on, where his game is, Uh, you know what what type of player they view him at uh, as far as the NBA is concerned so it it really is kind of one of those things where where you're almost dumb not to take that opportunity to get a free evaluation and and see where things stand for you if you have aspirations of, of being drafted and I think a lot of the feedback he got was, you know, they, they really like what what he's able to do on the offensive end of the court, and it, it's just going to come down to to how he matures physically and and what he can provide defensively. I think that's the big thing uh, that that he is able to take away from that. A lot of that he knew going into it too, uh-huh. uh, but he, but he was able to get some some pretty good uh, kind of feedback from some different voices aside from you and I's coaching staff and and some of the people that he'd been working with, you know, prior to to the evaluation process.
1: Yeah. No, and I'm I'm sure you're, I think you're totally right. That's, that's good. It's such valuable information to have, especially now you have a whole season where the whole season, but um, you have a season where you can go in and kind of work on the things that maybe you, um, that were highlighted by some of those, uh, some of those NBA scouts. Um, Let's talk about, let's talk about this season, team expectations, just kind of overall thoughts on the team. I, so I, Vance and I have done our, our preview. He, he likes Loyola. I like Northern Iowa. Um, where are your expectations, because in my opinion, looking at this team, looking at the, especially the big two coming back, obviously they're more than just those two, but it feels like a team that if if they don't make an NCAA tournament, it is a disappointment. Um, kind of where you at are the overall expectations for Northern Iowa?
2: Yeah, I, I think this has to be a, a win now team. Uh, you, you nailed it. Uh, if they don't make the NCAA tournament, I think they're going to be all very, very disappointed. You've got A.J. Green. He's probably the best player in school history going into his junior year. So you're you're expecting him to be a guy that can take over games. Uh, you mentioned Loyola. I think the the one difference between you and I and Loyola right now is that you and I has AJ Green. I, I think it's just that that level that he can play at and his ability to generate his own shot uh, and his range and, and ability to kind of create off the the dribble is what can can separate you and I from a lot of other teams. Um, and then beyond that, I I think uh, you know I think it really is almost a big three. I'd throw Trey Burhau into that mix with uh, sure. AJ Green and Austin Fife, who were were first team all-conference guys a year ago. Uh, Trey, he entered conference uh, conference play with, with one of the best three-point shooting percentages in the nation there uh, last year, and, and Valley teams really defended him well, uh, but but he's a terrific catch-and-shoot option. If you've got guys that can do some things off the dribble, he's going to be very dangerous, and I think he's made uh, the adjustments there where, where he's going to be playing at a, a pretty high level, so you've got three consistent scorers with Green, Fife, and, and Burhau and they all can do something a little bit different, and complement each other well and then uh, then it's just kind of filling in the the blanks around those three
1: no I think and I think you're right I think it's to me looking at this team and and correct me if I'm wrong because you'll know better than me it kind of feels like the question mark around northern Iowa if you are going to be concerned I think there's two things for me I think losing Isaiah last from last year who was your best defender I think somebody's going to have to be your lockdown guy and I think for me the other piece is it kind of feels like it's an unknown depth. And I don't know if I'm, and, I don't, and maybe it's just because I'm not in Cedar Falls and I don't, I'm not around the team, but it feels like the depth is kind of, there's not a lot of names that we know. It's a lot of, you look and, and you've got a, you know, a second team All-State guy, a second team All-State, a first team, like you've got players coming in that are really good, but I don't, I feel like it's in depth. Is that fair?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think the the the, the depth is, is something that you'll, you'll kind of see as the season progresses because they're relying on they're pretty young after that. Uh-huh. They're they're they've got four guys. Uh, you can you have Kaiwan Pickford who's going into his senior year. And he's going to kind of assume that Isaiah Brown defensive stopper role, so he'll be in the starting lineup. Uh, he started actually as a true freshman. Uh, had a, fractured his foot uh, his sophomore year, and he was playing through injury sophomore year, and then uh, uh, just played off the bench last year about seventeen minutes a game, but. They're looking for him to play more minutes, uh, be that defensive stopper, play that Isaiah Brown role. And then that, that fifth spot uh, is, is going to be uh, anywhere between two freshmen uh, coming in. They've got uh, Bowen Bourne, who's about 5'11", point guard, uh, really, really talented. Uh, put up a ton of points. Uh, I think he averaged maybe around 30 a game as a high school player, led his team to a state championship. He's a, he's a kid that can score, handle the ball well. His dad's an NBA scout, so he's fundamentally sound. I mean, he grew up uh, – I was talking to him the other day. He grew up uh, playing AAU basketball in the Portland area, and uh, he was able to shoot hoops in the Trailblazers arena before games as a kid, like as a third grader. So who, nice. who has that opportunity? No. But, uh, so, yeah. Not many kids. So, uh, <laughs> So he's, he's somebody that's obviously had a passion for basketball from a young age and been able to do a lot of really cool things. And, and I think he's not going to be afraid of the moment. And then Nate Heisey, uh, a kid coming in from uh, Rochester, Minnesota area is also, he's, he's probably more built for, for college basketball. He's six, four uh, kind of a, a two guard that can play off of AJ maybe in the backcourt a little bit. Um, but it sounds like those two freshmen are, are really going to be relied on to, to play a role in that rotation uh, in a nine-man rotation. And then then it's going to be the, the second-year guys that saw reps as, as freshmen last year. How far they can uh, evolve. You've got Antoine Kemmins, who's an, another shorter guy that can handle the ball, gives you a lot of energy. And, and he's a really good defender, too. He'll help him out on the defensive end. Uh, his, his thing is he plays so fast, sometimes he, he gets in turnover prone and, and can make some mistakes. Uh, there that could hurt the team. And then uh, you've got uh, Noah Carter, who I think is probably the, one of the biggest X factors for this team going into the season. Uh, his conditioning wasn't great a year ago. He's really worked on that. And uh, if he can stay on the court with his conditioning and his defense and rebounding, he, he's got a good shot that he could really help spread the floor and and score some points as well. So I think he's a nice piece. Uh, he's kind of like a, a four man. Uh, so if you play Noah at the four, you could play potentially play uh, Trey Burhau at the three. And and even put a Pickford at the two, and you have some some shooters around AJ there at the point, and, and you can play kind of a bigger lineup. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how Coach Jacobson mix and matches this lineup, uh, and then uh, backing up Fife it will be uh, James Betts, who's kind of an undersized center with, with some range to shoot three pointers as well. So so I think there's some pieces there. It's just going to be how they can do in the extended minutes and, and playing a larger role from a season ago.
1: How do you feel about about Fife? Because it definitely feels that he doesn't have that. Uh he doesn't have behind him where he, he had someone that could kind of fill right in. Do you think that he's, I mean, he's going to, he's probably going to have to play a lot more minutes than he was used to last year, at least his minute total is going to
2: have to go up. what you say? Oh yeah. And I think he was able to play some pretty large minutes at, at times last year as well. Uh, I, they're, they're pretty high on bets as, you know, as, as a, as a backup to come in. Yeah. So, so I think, uh, I, I think Fife, you, you might, you might play a minute or two more a game, uh, you know, it's sure. going to all depend on foul trouble where he is with, with that situation, but He's, he's kind of like a, a Cameron Kretwig in the sense that really good passer uh, can, can kind of play at the top of the key and, and they can kind of move him out and, and then kind of open up the lane and, and have him make some decisions with the ball. And, and I think he, he says he's been working on his perimeter shot. He didn't attempt a single three-pointer last year. So it'll be interesting to, to see. I don't, know, I don't know what we're going to see more of. Uh, Austin Fife made three-pointers or A.J. Green dunks this season. But I think that <laughs> might a be, a, be a pretty good wager there.
1: That would be a good wager. It's interesting, especially now you talk about Fife. That's, he's one of those players that I feel like because Cameron Crutwig is in this league, I feel like that he doesn't get as much love as he should, because it just when I watch him out there, it just feels like, and that's a guy with a good basketball IQ. He does the right things. He makes the right passes. He can score the basketball. He does. It feels like he's that. He's like the perfect complement to AJ Green, as in he does all the right things for AJ.
2: Yeah, and, and when you look at the analytics, he was uh, analytically just the offensive efficiency numbers and all that yep. stuff. He, he's probably the best player on and I's team last year. Just when you look at those numbers, and and you're not you know just looking at the eye test or anything like that, but uh, very very valuable player. And uh, it, it, I think him and AJ, they've been playing. They they grew up playing AAU basketball together. Uh, he grew up in, in Waverly, which is about 15 miles away from from Cedar Falls, where AJ grew up. So uh, a, a lot of uh, chemistry between those. Two to and, and they're really familiar with each other on the court. So I'm going to put you on the spot here with Northern
1: Iowa. Um, I can tell you, you're, I, t- I can tell you, feel really good about them going in this season. But if you, if, if Northern Iowa's season is not a success, as in they don't finish top two in the league, they aren't going to make the NCAA tournament. What is the big thing you think that is going to that's going to hold this team back? What is the thing that you're most thinking? Wow, this could be the one thing. Uh,
2: I, I think an well, in, in injury to. to either of the three with with Fife uh Green or Burr Howe I think could could really hamper them. You you look at, you know, maybe Bradley a year ago when they had Elijah Childs go down and, and how that impacted them during the regular season. So so if they had a significant injury, I think that could be a a factor. Um, you know, I I think their chemistry is gonna be pretty good. I, I think the new guys are gonna be able to fit into a role without feeling like they have to do too much. So I don't think there's really too many issues there, but Barring injury, I, I'd, I'd be surprised if they're, they're not a top three, top two team. Uh, you know, I, I think Bradley's going to be good. I think Indiana State's going to be good. I think Loyola's going to be good. So, uh, you know, there's still, uh, still some teams that can challenge them. And, and you and I did not play well on the road last year in conference play. Uh, you saw that with Illinois State in, in their opener where they yeah. they, they are great non-conference and then they go uh, opening night normal and, and get beat by Illinois State. So, uh, they're going to definitely have to be a lot more consistent on the road than they were a season ago.
1: Was a, it was a happy surprise to go to that game. in uh, Illinois, as an Illinois State fan, actually, it was, it, was, it was the craziest thing ever. One team went one direction, though, after that game. The other team went the other. Uh, it was interesting. You brought up on their, their road struggles, uh, even at Illinois State. But they, they had that interesting stretch where they played, uh, I think it was Indiana State and Southern Illinois, where they dropped both of those. Those were, those were kind of yeah. later in half of the season. They dropped those two games. So, yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, and, but the one thing about, their, about the, some of the newer guys on the team, you have the best coach in the league. I mean, at least my, for, from my perspective, Ben Jacobson's best coach in the league. So if any, if, if any team doesn't need to be as worried about chemistry issues, I think it's them. But um, you definitely touched on – and I want to get your thoughts kind of on the overall value if we can. Um, so so to, to me, I think there's a, there's a couple tiers. There's the top two. I think Bradley's right below them in their own tier. And then I feel like it's four through nine um it could really it could really be in flux with you know from indiana state all the way down to illinois state valpo what are your thoughts on the league because it feels like the league's a lot deeper this year there's a lot of teams that you know like in illinois state could beat a northern iowa if they have a good night they've got an, a lot of these teams have good players what, what are your thoughts on the overall league
2: yeah i think just looking at where things have ended up the last couple years even when you look at the preseason polls and, and how the league shuffled around uh, i just don't think you can really say you know this team's I think Evansville's gonna struggle. I think Northern Iowa and Loyola are gonna be good and, and everywhere in between is, is, is gonna be a lot of a lot of really close battles. Uh I think I'd put Bradley up there with, with Loyola and Northern Iowa. I think they're gonna be really solid. And and I thought I'm pretty high on Indiana State too. I I think they're a, a solid top tier, almost uh level team. Uh with, with Greg Lanson's contract situation and, and the experience they bring back, I think there's gonna be you know, a lot of incentive for them to, to try to win now and, and, and put together a really good season. And, and after that, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams that can knock off teams in that top four. And uh, I think they're going to have a lot of really competitive games. I, I think that fight for Thursday is going to come down to the, the final couple weeks here, assuming we can have a normal season. And that's the other X factor is what role COVID's going to play in, in the schedule. I don't know. Uh, you know, Chicago has had some really tight restrictions there. Loyola's been hit hard. Uh, to to start the year obviously that's probably not going to linger in the conference play but uh, it's just really hard to get a feel for how this season's even even going to play out by the time we get into January
1: how do you you think do you think that we we will be playing all 18 games by the end of the season Mm
2: -hmm. it's a good question I don't know I think there'll be some cancellations Uh, you just look at the protocol with a couple teams maybe having to sit out I know they they have the the bracelets now uh, the the connection bracelets uh, uh, where you can get real time feedback for contact um, I'm sorry for contact tracing mm-hmm. so that allows if somebody tests positive you can kind of get a sense for okay who was within six feet of him for a, yeah. a certain period of time and, and that'll allow teams to to be able to continue to play without having to take the two weeks off. I think you saw some of that with with Indiana State and the way they interpreted things uh, not being able not shutting things down for, for two weeks uh-huh. uh, when they had a positive within their team. So, so I think that might increase the odds that, that we see games, uh, but then you just run into a situation where, where key players could be out for, for a couple weeks and, and you have a, a different type of team that that's playing here for for a four game stretch in, in Valley play which which could alter the standing significantly.
1: Yeah, no, and I think it's I think that's totally totally fair because I and I even think about like in the state of Illinois do does Illinois State maybe play Bradley three times? Do they maybe play an extra game against an in-state team and maybe Drake and Northern Iowa play an extra game against each other just to kind of make up that eighteen-game schedule? I think it's kind of interesting. Do you do you just uh, your own crystal ball? Do you think that we we may be looking at a bigger NCAA tournament this year because of out of necessity of not having being able to play the fair same amount of games as everybody in the
2: country uh yeah I don't I don't know if uh, the NCAA is too too uh worried about equity as far as that goes <laughs> with their tournament I think it I think with it being a one-site deal where, where, where it sounds like they're going to have everything take place in Indianapolis they're going to probably try to keep the field the same and, and huh. find the best way to create some co- sort of bubble environment there with with the qualifiers uh, uh it's it's a tough deal when if you're a fan of mid-major basketball because you, you just feel like you know no matter what the scenario is some of these really good mid-major programs are going to get squeezed and I don't know even even as an just a, even if you're a casual basketball fan of college basketball I'd almost rather see a team that that can go you know uh, win, win its conference or, or is really good within its conference in a mid-major I'd, I'd rather see them in the field over a, a team that's under 500 in a, in a power five and, and is really struggled I, I just don't know if by the end of the season if those two teams were going head-to-head on a neutral site uh, if that Power Five team's really that much better?
1: Yeah, preaching the choir. Is any mid-major fan listening to this podcast? They're all probably just like, yes, Nick, that is exactly how we all feel. It's like, I mean, and I go back to 2017 with my Redbirds. They they finished. I think there were a couple teams that were eight and ten in their league that made it in as at-large as over them, and I mean that was frustrating when you went 17 and one in the league.
2: Yeah, and I think you're gonna. And it's weird because you get evaluated by what you're doing in December, and, and you're then you're, you're you're playing a tournament in March, and there's a lot of teams that change from December to March. So you could you could put together a great non-conference in, in December and not necessarily be that same team by the time you get to March, and you could really struggle early and then find yourself and and run through a, a mid-major league, and then the, these voters are gonna or these people on the selection committee are going to go back and look at what you did in December and say, Hey, you didn't, you didn't play teams that were tough enough or you didn't win enough games in December. And it's like, this isn't the same team, you know, that, that you're looking at in December. So, so it's, it really is. It's an uphill battle and, and these mid major teams aren't getting any games on their home court. You know, whenever you're playing a good program, you're playing them at their place and, and, and the odds are, you know, that's going to be a, be a tougher game. And you're not going to win as many of those on the road.
1: Well, it's interesting you brought up that that they don't get these home games because we talked a little bit about this last week on our podcast was that you have teams that are like a northern Iowa and Iowa's Iowa's just not going to come play you in Cedar Falls. And I don't know if it's to me, it feels like maybe Iowa, if if I'm looking at it from the Iowa perspective, maybe they don't want to play you because they don't want the perception of their perception to go down by losing at a northern Iowa. Maybe they think that they, they just don't want to put themselves in that position. It, it's interesting. Do, I, do you think that it's – are you surprised by a lot of these uh, bigger bigger universities in-state in that aren't playing their mid-majors? Because it doesn't feel like they are.
2: No, I just don't know if there's enough incentive for them. Because, you know, you look at Iowa, for example, they're playing Gonzaga and they'll, they'll play some really good teams in, in non-conference and then they'll get their cupcakes at home where they can kind of pad their, their win total before they go into the Big Ten, which is going to – you know, the Big Ten's going to do everything they need it do for, for for as far as the net rankings so I just don't think there's enough of an incentive for for a, a power conference team to go on the road and play at a mid-major uh and, and even when you're playing at and I, you know this year that's going to be a, a probably a quad one game but in, in years past that that might have been a, a quad two or a quad three and you don't want to take a quad three road loss at a at a mid-major, you know, and, and have that hurt you when, when you're on the bubble and, and trying to get a bid. So I just I, I just don't think there's enough incentive right now for 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 an Iowa or an Iowa State to to play a a Drake or a U and I, and and that's kind of what it's come down to. Um, the, the the programs that U and I can get for non-conference home games are like they've got one set up with with Green Bay, so it's going to be like your your Horizon Tier schools or or non-D ones and it really is tough too, from a stand, fan standpoint, because you're you're buying your ticket package, and and really the best games you're, you're seeing are, are within conference play.
1: Yeah, no, that's, a, that's a great point. I think is it it's interesting. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. You guys had a series in Iowa where the the two major Iowa and Iowa State would play Northern Iowa and Drake, and and, and that went away. Yeah. What was the reason for uh, that going away? Do you do you have any background around that? Uh,
2: it's it's the Big Four Classic, so they'd all play in Des Moines. Yep, the the, the four. Uh, uh, Division one programs and uh, th- th- once the contract expired I think it was uh, th- the main emphasis was that uh, the-, the Big 10 and-, and Big 12 were adding conference games to their schedule so once especially with the Big 10 once they went with the larger schedule Iowa felt like it was kind of getting squeezed they still have the 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 deal with the Big East and and I think the ACC where, where they had already games lined up so I just think there's fewer non-conference games. And, and instead of taking out your, your Chicago State at home or, or some of those other games, uh, you know, where, where you've got the, the cupcake opponents, uh, they, they, they kind of went the route of why, why are we playing these these uh, neutral site games against mid-majors? Fair enough. Fair enough. Well,
1: Nick, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Um, I want to give you a chance to plug whatever you want and uh, tell us where we, uh, we can find more uh, interesting stuff that you're writing and uh, go from there.
2: Oh yeah, uh, my, my Twitter handle is just Nick at Courier and then uh, www.wcfcourier.com should have all my articles, uh, you know, of game stories up after each of Northern Iowa's games and I'll have a feature here this weekend on Bowen Bourne, one of the freshmen and also uh, another story on uh, Noah Carter here before the season tips off for the Panthers uh, Wednesday against West Virginia on ESPN. That should be a, a pretty good one for, for people to be able to follow along as uh, as basketball gets underway here Wednesday.
1: Sounds good. Sounds good. Everybody check out Nick's stuff.
2: All right. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Thank you.
0: All right. Let's start with the preseason favorite, Northern Iowa Panthers. Before we get into the 2020-2021 season, last season the Panthers were 25-6 overall, 14-4 in the season, and had the most disappointing last game of Arch Madness – history maybe um wichita state ranks up there when they when they bowed out early but they lost 77 to 56 to drake in the quarterfinals um there's just a lot left to be desired with last season for the panthers
1: this might be one of the most disappointing end of the seasons in the country last year <laughs> um they came into that i mean you just i i remember the buzz going in arch madness and thinking about how good northern iowa was and and there was not a single thought in my mind that they were going down on Friday. It, was that, I mean, that was just one of those shockers. I remember when you and I were sitting there talking about it while we were watching the game and like, we were looking at each other like, oh my God, is this really happening? Like this is, this is really happening. Like this is, and it kept, it felt like we were waiting for that Northern Iowa run in the second half and Roman Penn would just hit a three and then he hit another three uh-huh. and it was just like, oh my God, this is like really going to happen. And then to end your season, not know your postseason fate. Um, there was never any closure for this team, which is really disappointing because they're, they had a lot of guys that are really good. We'll talk about in a second. But, God, last year you can't, you can't have nothing but, like, a bad taste.
0: No one could feel good about Arch Madness last year because of 1-2 and two going down in the quarterfinals um and then it was right before the siu game so like i was trying to get hype for our game and but like everyone just wanted to talk about you and i getting beat and it was just it was a frustrating series of events do you remember
1: what i said to you by the way this is off the subject of you and i for a second do you remember what i said to you as soon as northern iowa lost that game i don't i said the winner of the bradley southern iowa game is winning this tournament. Right, yeah. I it, called it. You did. I and, and that's it, was, it felt like ugh. I'm gonna get mad right now, banker, because <laughs> I'm still mad
0: about this game um, because we were there and I, you're exactly right. It
1: was it was so deflating. As a Valley fan, when you wanted to have a team, you know, fight for an at-large, like, this took the win out of everybody's tail. Then a couple weeks later, then a week later, to me, that didn't matter because <laughs> then who cares? But
0: but session
1: two of Arch Madness, wow. it was uh, it was unreal. So yeah. so let's look at the guys that are leaving this team. The first name Isaiah Brown, who we sang the praises of last year, defensive player of the year in the Valley, um, will not be back. One of my favorite players to watch, and he was the defensive. I mean, he was the guy the stopper on this team. Another guy, Spencer Haldeman, who. Uh, always gave some really good minutes. Justin Dahl as well, I think it was kind of one of those unsung players on the Northern Iowa team last year who off the bench was really good for them. Um, so you're losing some really key contributors. Yeah,
0: um, I mean, Brown defense. Um, that's that's going to be a good And he game. added
1: that scoring level, though, at times when A.J. Green wasn't exactly putting it. When A.J. Green didn't have it necessarily going. I mean, I mean he had it going every time, but there were a few moments where he had these lulls, and I felt like Isaiah Brown was that kind of – he kind of kept things rolling.
0: I, I agree. Um, I, I think that's going to be the biggest void for uh, the Panthers is just their defensive presence and um, who's going to be the next man up to, to play defense for them. Offense is going to be no issue uh, yeah. this year.
1: Yeah, so looking at this team, offensively, they are just – I mean, this is a stacked team. They're going to score, and they're going to score in bunches. Obviously, A.J. Green um, – best player in the league. You can't say any different going into the season Um, player of the year last year. Um, He is so, I I mean, as a non Northern Iowa fan, he's just fun to watch because Mm -hmm. he makes shots. He's one of those guys that the Valley hasn't always had guys like this where they can just like, at the end of a game, you know, he's going to get the ball and he's going to make a weird, he's going to make a crazy shot and it's going in. It was one of those things, especially I know the, the Loyola game, he, he just he pulled up with a crazy shot and nailed it. Um, the best player in the league, and, and I wonder, Vance, um, can he? is there another level that he can get to?
0: I think there's a next level that AJ Green can get to, yeah, and I think it's going to be making those around him better. Um, he, he does that, uh, but I see that really happening of – Trey Berhow could have just a heck of a redshirt senior year. Um, just getting more looks because everyone's going to be keen on A.J. Green. They always have been. I'm not saying that this is nothing new to the Valley, but the next level he can get to is just distributing the ball and getting other people open looks when he's getting double teamed.
1: Trey Berhow had a nice year last year, and, and, and I see that he averaged 12.5 points a game. It didn't always feel like that, though. with him. No. He, he was like, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say anything bad about him because he's a good player it's sometimes like he kind of disappeared at times too. And like, there were moments where I didn't like, I didn't always notice Trey Burhau and, um, is the 14th ranked scorer in this. Yeah, in I know. And we're talking conference. about him like he's like he's some scrub. He's a really good player. Like, but the, at times it felt like he kind of disappeared. And, and I think it's a really excellent point you bring up about AJ Green making others better. Antoine Kimmons is the guy for me as well. on that point, I think that, um, he needs to take that next step with AJ Green. And I think that that's another guy that is going to key on. Um, the other person, the other player on this team that obviously we have to talk about is Austin Fife. Yep. Um, he is, in my opinion, I mean, he is probably the second best big man in the league, um, with all due respect to Gage Pram. Austin Fife is really good. Um, I don't think he gets, I think that he kind of gets overlooked at times due to having Cameron Kretwig and then Liam Robbins last year as well as kind of those two. It felt like at times he kinda got over overlooked, even though he was still first team all league last year. Um, which is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Um But I think at times when he there's there was times I was watching him and it's just like, This this might be the best big guy in the league.
0: He's gotta stay healthy. Um eighteen nineteen season had some issues. Um so I think that's gonna be the biggest thing uh for them is just uh Austin Five staying healthy. Um it'll be interesting too, because A.J. Green went through that period that he declared for the draft which everyone knew he was not going to to the nba but he declared so it's, it'll be interesting to see what he, he definitely got a scouting report out of that right so it, does he try to um fill in some of those questions that scouts the nba scouts had
1: that's an excellent point I, and i never really thought about that i think that's totally fair especially if you're trying to get to that next level you're going to want to press on those issues um that's it's no, that's a great point I think for a guy like AJ Green, hopefully and hopefully I'm not wrong on this, I think that for him he needs to look at this season as I need to win and I need to get as much exposure as I can in March. Absolutely. And I think that's key for him. Um but so now with this team, you're losing. you lost depth. That's the one piece. This the the starting five and 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 the, the the beginning of this team. If you look at this team, it's a really good team, but the depth is the question mark, and, and I know there's a lot of redshirt freshmen coming in: Cole Henry, Evan Gager, uh, Logan Wolf, guys that were um, first and second team All-State, all three redshirts last year. I think all three. Um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of role they play. Um, this is one of the shortest
0: you and I teams I've seen in a while. It's
1: it, yes and no. There's a, there's a lot. It, it does feel like they have that ceiling of six seven, but it's outside Austin Fife, obviously. But uh, yeah, I guess I buy that. Um, uh Gonan Marr, uh, another guy, he's a George Mason transfer, only scored a couple points a game in 19-20, but was also injured. Um, started every single game in 1718, averaged 10 points a game. Um, he's seeking a waiver to play this year. We don't know as of this day what's going to happen with him, um, but it'll be interesting to see going forward what happens there. Uh, and then one other player that I wanted to mention was uh, Noah Carter. Um, he's a shooter off the bench, uh, only averaged four, four and a half points a game, um, only played about 10 minutes a game. I think that for, I think this year though, um, sophomore Dubuque is going to have to play a lot more. Yeah, I'm with you. What's the over under. So my one question that I have for you before we get into the over under for Northern Iowa, which obviously is going to be high. I'm, I'm sure you know where I'm going with that. Um, where do you feel like is the floor for this team? Because Ooh. I think this is an interesting – I actually think this is a really interesting one because I know we, we talked about Bradley and we talked about other teams. You, it's kind of hard to pick their floor and how good they're going to be. But I, I, I'm interesting to hear what you have to say on this one because I have an interesting thought on it. Um,
0: I think their floor is three. Okay. And then since we've already covered Loyola, I would have said Loyola's floor is two. And so that keeps up my whole tier one and tier two a
1: um, <laughs> thing there. So I definitely think they're floors three, and I think that the one thing that holds me back with them is the new depth with this team. Um, at the top, obviously they're really good. Green Burkhoff five. This is a good team. Yep. Um, this is my team. I picked to win the league based on that alone. They have, in my opinion, I think Ben Jacobson is the best coach in this league. Yeah. Dean um, of the Valley. That being said it is going to be a really interesting season to see how some of those other guys kind of fill in the role around them where last year you had a ton of depth. And I think that makes it a lot harder in a better Valley league. Um, So for me, I think this team, I don't think it's out of their own possibility that Bradley and Loyola both finish higher than them. I really don't. Um, For me, I have the over under 14 and a half as well for Northern Iowa. Um, This is, this is a really tough one as well. Because you took the under on Loyola. So I'm assuming you're going to take the under here. But, I'm taking the under. Um,
0: I'm calling 14 and four, Valley tying champion. for first co Valley champion. Oh,
1: okay. Fair enough. I like and it, it could be
0: one of those three teams we've talked about Bradley, you,
1: and I, or Loyola. So I think this one's going over. Okay. And this is one of the only ones I'm actually commenting on the over under on. I think this is the 15 win season. I think this will be the Valley champion of 15 and three um i think that aj green as you said about the draft prospect i think he has that mentality that i need to have one heck of a season because i think that he kind of got a taste of that that whole process and i and I, I gotta imagine that he's gonna want to try to do whatever he can to get to the next level um i think this is a really good team i think that this team's expectations should be ncaa tournament or bust mm-hmm. if they finish anything less than that um, and NIT wasn't be an extreme disappointment for me.
0: Absolutely. All hey right, Baker, let's break down the 2020 Arch Madness champion Bradley Braves. Last season, they were 23 and 11 overall, 11 and seven in the valley, and they went on a run again
1: in St. Louis. Right, the Braves, the Archman two-time champs. Um, this is uh, last season, um, and and I'm an Illinois State fan, saying this like I kind of felt bad for him. Like that's, I mean, that stinks. Like there were guys on this team. Like I mean, Daryl Brown was a guy. Daryl Brown, Nate Canell, I think of right away, and it's just like when I think of this Bradley era, like those are two of the first names that come to mind for me. And I mean, it, that stinks. They couldn't play in their tournament
0: they didn't get the profiles in March Madness, you know, they they didn't get their day in court uh, per se. Right. Um, and, and I just feel bad for Daryl Brown specifically. Um, just unreal career for the Bradley Braves. Um, but you know, there's there's a lot of athletes around the country. Um, saying the same thing. So let us let, let's, let's move on to 2020 2021 season. Um, they've got a lot back. They're a darn good team.
1: This is a really good team, and I think that with all the focus. And rightfully so, on loyal in Northern Iowa, Bradley kind of they can they're kind of have that like this is just the team out of sight out of mind, but they're right there like this is not this team is not I think this team is closer to the one and two than they are to the pack, especially yep. after looking through them. Um, I think losing Daryl Brown and Nate Canell is a humongous blow. Um, I don't want to discount that. Uh, You have a second-team all mvc and a third-team all mvc You're losing two really good players. That being said, I think they have the right players to kind of fill in the void. Mm Obviously, everything is going to go through Elijah Child. I I would expect you to stay healthy. I know he had that hand injury last year that he kind of kept him out of some games. But um, to me, Elijah Child is – he can be the best player in the league. He has the skill set to be the best player in the league. And he's he's – One more player I want to talk about is Darius Hanna. He's a freshman out of Milwaukee. Um, he was the number six recruit out of the state of Wisconsin. 17.6 points per game, and I know, the nine, the 3.9 blocks. I know we're talking about high school stats, which that doesn't matter once you're in the Valley, but um, a really good player out of the state of Wisconsin, another one of those really good recruited players out of the state of Wisconsin that are now coming into Missouri Valley. Yeah, I mean I saw you as a number two player out of Wisconsin. I just but. teed that right up. <laughs> <whole thing>. <laughs> <laughs> um but so so I guess my question before we go the win over under win total for for Bradley, what is their ceiling? One. You think they can win the league? Yeah. Okay.
0: Um here's the deal is do I think there's a natural tier one and tier two A? And the only person on Tier Two A is Bradley. Yes, I've said that. I'm not gonna go back on that. But Bradley's a darn good team yeah. and can easily win the league.
1: It's a really good team. Um, I think they definitely can win the league. This is the first team outside of the top two that I, I've gone through, and I just I think I don't I think their floor is third. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. I don't think <laughs> they're finishing worse than third. I agree. Like, yeah. and it's interesting. We kind of talked about some other teams throughout this time where we said, oh, you know, this team might be a little finished higher. Than Bradley. No, I'm, I was I take all that back. If I said that about your team, sorry. I I think the floor for Bradley is third. Yes. Um, that being said, the top two teams are what they are. They're both mm-hmm. really good. I think Bradley can play with both of them. Yeah. And I think that um, I, I'm pretty confident they're going to at least win a game against those four. Yeah. Or against the, of those four games, they'll win a game. I think this is a really good team, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how Brian Wardle um, really mixes in guys like Nolan, guys like East – and and some of the guys incoming to this team with the guys who are established who have won the tournament two years in a row. Um, this is a fantastic team. And I and I don't expect this to be just a just an Arch Madness team. I expect this to be a team that um will I think they're gonna be in the mix all mm-hmm. year. Yep. Uh, that I don't think there's that's going out on a limb saying that. Now for the over-under win total, I have their win total at eleven and a half. Okay. Um it's a tough one. It really is. Yeah. um I think I think it becomes one of those things of where do you feel like they finish in respect to Northern Iowa and depending on where you think they're going to finish is where you think Bradley's going to be. 11 and 7 versus tw- 12 and six. This is great radio, letting you let <laughs> you sit here and think about this. But I, um, I, I, it's it's an interesting, so it's, it's an interesting thought. They were eleven and seven last year. Okay, um, I'm gonna take the over, and here's why. Interesting topic that I want to talk about this week with you, Vance. Was you've been and I've been seeing this over Twitter over the past you know a couple weeks. Um, you see it all the time where different mid major teams in different states, uh, the big boys won't, won't play the, the good mid majors. And I, I think that there's an interesting, interesting thing, especially during COVID time, where I feel like there's a, there's a different kind of pressure on some of the big teams to play the, the smaller teams just because proximity wise and things like that. Um, but I was wondering, where, where do you where are you at on this? Do you think because because to me, I guess I'll give you my my stance but then, and I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Um, to me, I can totally see why a big boy doesn't want to play a mid-major, especially if it's good. Like I take, for example, the Iowa, Northern Iowa. Um, if I was Iowa, I wouldn't want to play Northern Iowa either because I don't like I feel like that's one of those. If you lose that game, I think the perception around the state is, like, a huge part of that. Absolutely. I think you nailed it. Um, I
0: get why the big boys don't play Valley Schools. Um, I think back in the day, and maybe someone from Drake or Northern Iowa can clean me up here, but I want to say that it was, like, legislation that they had to play.
1: They used to have a game. Where it was like, they would have like a it was like the Ivy Shootout or yeah. something like that. They Man. had a thing where they both play each other, and they used to play each other every year. Well, no, it was the four schools. It was Iowa but State, Drake, one Iowa They would Iowa. play each other every year. Yeah, and I know that like some states, I know Indiana had had a mandate for a little while where Indiana State would have to play Indiana so many every so many years. Um, Indiana State would get a crack at one of the big boys in the state. It's it's an interesting concept because I can see the I can see the argument that um, it's for the big boy schools. It saves them money. With mm-hmm. bringing in a team that's going to draw, um, but this year not nobody's drawing. Yeah, I think that's huge um, too because
0: for the big schools compared to the valley schools, um, for lack of a better term, they don't need the extra attendance. They have the season ticket sales, they have the walk up sales. Will they make more money if Northern Iowa comes to Iowa City and plays the Hawkeyes? Yeah, they will, but it's very incremental. Versus what would happen if it was the other way around? If Iowa came went to the McLeod Center, be um, <laughs> they'd be packed. So I think just the financial obligation um, or incentive is it's not it, it's um, what's the word I'm looking for. It's incremental um, mm-hmm. for the big guys than it is the smaller
1: guys. No, I totally agree. I think I think for me and, and I, I think it's an excellent point. I I just took it a different route. Is I think that the perception around the state is kind of that one thing. Even like when Wichita State was in the league, I remember they didn't. Kansas never want to play. Right, and and it was kind of one of those things that I don't know if it's. Do you think it's just the team doesn't want to lose to them? Correct. I mean, you don't want that. I think that's part of it. They've nothing with, to with game. Illinois in our state. You know, with Southern Illinois, you, it never feels like when those teams are rolling. Like when Southern Illinois was rolling, did they ever play U of I? No. No. When played Illinois, them in Alaska once. Played them in the last one. Illinois State played them in Cancun one year. Yeah. It's like. When these teams are rolling and things are things are really cooking, you don't want to play them.
0: They have, the big guys have nothing to gain from right. it other than, hey, you played an in-state team and you might sell more popcorn that night than you did <laughs> um, again. But this
1: year, nobody's going to these games anyway for the most part.
0: Right. So it's just more of if there was some sort of if, – if as a state we wanted to rally together um, and all for the common good, this would be the year to do it. But on normal terms – there's no point in the big guys playing us.
1: And I think there's, the, I think that point of what, if you're a really good mid-major team, like a Northern Iowa or a Loyola playing the excuse to play the big boys as you get another win on their schedule, I think that kind of goes away when you look at a Big Ten schedule. They're already playing an ACC Big Ten challenge. They're already playing these big-time teams in the non-conference, and their regular season is all yeah. big-time teams. So <laughs> they I, need some games to get their offensive sets thing. in. Selfishly, I wish oh. every single state played. Like, I wish if it was up to me, I, Illinois would play one of the valley schools in the state every year mm-hmm. and, and they would go play a road game, which never happened. But I would love to see that. I wish I wish that, you know, Iowa State would go to the McLeod Center every couple of years or, um, you know, even like go to if if University of Indiana goes and plays at Indiana State, how cool would that be? Yeah. Uh, it, it would be really cool to see that. But. It's just
0: not the landscape we live in. We can keep dreaming, Baker. This has been Episode 8 of the March to Arch podcast, where we had Nick Petros of The Courier. Baker did a great job interviewing him, getting some insights into Panther hoops this year. Then we broke down Bradley and Northern Iowa Panthers. Listeners can find us at our website, marchtothearchpodcast.com, on Twitter at MarchArchBaker, and at MarchArchPod. Go Vality!
2: Why not?